0: So today we're we're launching a new conversation together. Pastor Irwin grabbed a few of us and said, Hey, I'd love for you to, for the next few weeks, just have a conversation about relationships. Conversation about love. Just together as a community for the next few weeks, we're gonna dive into themes of, of sacrifice and selflessness. We're gonna dive into doing the work in us to, if we're single. That we're gonna have conversations that can move us to this place if we're open and wanting to be in a relationship, that we're ready for what God has for us. If we're dating, that we're having conversations that can shift who we are so we can become even more of a beautiful boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse or or potential significant other. Where where if we're married, that we can actually serve our spouse more than we care about being served ourselves. See, every week we're just gonna dive into themes all related to relationships and. And when it comes to love, because February is the month of love. You realize that, right? February is the month when it seems like so many people are open and willing and ready for, for whatever God has for them. And it seems like sometimes what they want God to have for them is, is a boo thing, if you know what I'm saying. And so here's my hope after these this month together. See, I, I hope that We would not be so focused on conversations of, God, when are you going to send me Mr. Right or Mrs. Right? But we would have conversations about how do I become Mr. or Mrs. Right? That we cannot control who comes into our life, but we can control who we decide to become in the midst of our own lives. And the scriptures talk so much about love, about relationships. There's this moment in the human story. Where everything begins, when, when God creates the heavens and the earth, he creates the birds and the sea, and, 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 he, and he creates all of creation. And then there's a moment when he grabs the, the earth and he breathes into it, and, and, and humanity is formed, and, and it's perfect. See, no sin has entered into the world, no pain has entered into the world, no, no worry, it's perfect. And it's in that moment when God utters the statement, it is not good for man to be what? God. Alone that should make no sense. If it's perfect between us and God, then why do we need someone else? And it's in that moment God establishes the need for human relationships. And that we no longer are simply being fulfilled with us and God, but now is actually a fulfillment and a necessity for us to be in relationship with one another. And, And there's this passage that I feel like is so interesting that that I wanna give us context as we have a conversation today about how we can enter into relationships and become all that God has created us to be. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 18 through 19, it says this. There are three things that amaze me. No, four things that I don't understand. How an eagle glides through the sky. How a snake slithers on a rock. How a ship navigates the ocean. And how a man loves a woman. <laughs> this is such a fascinating passage where, where you, you, you have Solomon, like in this moment, he's described, you, you could see him seeing this eagle fly, like, wow, how? It's soaring. I was even doing some research on eagles, and eagles can soar for hours at a time without flapping their wings. It's crazy. You see him picturing going, and then, you, and then you can imagine, there's a moment when, when he sees a snake. And you see a snake slithering in the sand, and that makes sense. But all of a sudden, there's a s- snake up on a rock. And how can he climb a rock? He has no legs. And Solomon is just blown away. And then he's like, oh, have you seen a ship on the water? Like, a, a cruise ship makes no sense. I don't care. It just makes no sense. I don't understand how it floats. And he's looking at all these things, and he's, he's like, these are... Incomprehensible, like mind blowing. God, how does this happen? How can an eagle fly through the air? How can a snake slither on a rock? How can a ship navigate the ocean? And how can a man love a woman? <laughs> He's like, I don't get it. And if you know, saw the story, it seemed like there was a struggle that he had not yet developed a deep love. It seemed like it was only a shallow love. And I think so many of us, when it comes to relationships. We desperately long to be in that deep love, but we're not willing to do the hard work to actually plant and discover the love that God has for us. See, I just want to take a few moments to talk to you about this. Why are relationships so hard? Can I get a amen? amen. Something that is so necessary to the human story and that is a part of all of what we experience. Hallmark, there's a whole channel for love. We we are consumed by it. We're obsessed with it. But it seems like we have yet to figure out actually why it's so difficult. How does a man love a woman? How does a woman love a man? How how do we as humanity get to this place where we work through the difficulties? I think one of the reasons relationships are so hard is because God's like, if it came easy, I don't think you would actually appreciate it. And it's the things that we're willing to really press in and work through that those oftentimes are the things that have God's hand all over it. So there's a few things that I just want to highlight as we're talking about relationships and how we can elevate who we are in our own personhood. How can we prepare to be who we need to be or continue as we step into a relationship? And the first thing that I want to talk about is, you know why relationships are so hard? It's because they reveal your willingness to Trust. Mm, see, I don't want to go there. <laughs> see, and we, we all always talk about trust, right? And I, I'm, I'm a trustworthy person. Or, or when we enter into a relationship, it seems easy. Like, oh, I trust you. But, but trust is never established without opportunity for someone to prove their trust. And a lot of times I think we care more about control and power than we actually do about trust. But the only way you'll find out if you trust someone is if you allow them to be in a situation that is going to Force you to trust them. You see, we just had a football game, and it's going to be painful to talk about this as a 49er fan, but football is built on trust. See, every NFL team has 53 players on a roster, and there's about 15 coaches in the NFL as well. And, and every single play is built on trust. The quarterback is the most popular and well-known player on the football team, and, but in order for the quarterback to succeed, here's what has to happen: when the quarterback drops back to pass, the offensive linemen in front of him have to block the defenders that are coming to kill him. <laughs> that, that is, their job is do not let him get killed. And and there's five linemen, and something a lot of times there's five defense that they're coming, and it's really. Will the line hold up and allow the quarterback to be able to throw? But then it gets even more tricky because there's this thing called a blitz. And what a blitz is, is basically a guy that you were not expecting. He found a way to come and try and kill you. So the running back, who normally gets handed the ball, this play is like, hey, we're not going to hand you the ball. What we need you to do is stop that guy from killing me. And he has to sacrifice his own desire. He has to block this guy that's coming so the quarterback has time to throw. And then... The receivers have to run their route in such a precise way that they are open to the precise moment for when the quarterback throws it. And all this has to happen, and you know how much the average time a quarterback has to throw? 2.7 seconds. That's it. See, everything about football is built on trust. And, and the reason the two teams that played in the Super Bowl today, it wasn't simply because they were the most talented, they actually had the most trust. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, I thought it was just about a ball. <laughs> See, it is all built on trust. And the moment that trust is broken, the relationship is broken. There's a distrust and there's, there, there's tension and there's friction. And, and that's when things fall apart is because then we start trying to take things into our own head. You ever been in a relationship when you tried to do your part, and then their part, and then everything fell apart. Two hands up over there. Because you are not supposed to play God. You're supposed to play you. See, in order, the right side of the room, God is working in y'all over here. Right? They're like, relationships, finally. Go to next step in the back after the gathering, Right? We're gonna do a little single mixer, right? <laughs> See, it's it's all built on trust, but trust is not a stagnant word, isn't it? Is an action word. You have to allow yourself to go there. You have to force yourself to be in positions where where we actually believe the best in one another, and and whenever we risk and we allow people in and we trust someone we leave ourselves vulnerable to be hurt, to be betrayed, to be wounded. And yes, relationships may leave you wounded, but actually relationships can also heal you. If you'll just believe the best in one another. So you have to get yourself to this place when when, when you open your life to others. It'll reveal your willingness to trust and And then there's this passage that I love that gives insight into where we're talking about how do we love? What what, what does it look like? What's the greatest example of that? And, and, And in 1 John 3, verse 16, it says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Wow, we is hyped tonight, Right? See, this is how we know what love is. You want to know what love is? It says, look at the person of Jesus. See, look at the example that, that he lived. In. And so often we want to focus on love and we think it's about the romance, but we don't realize that love is really about the sacrifice. See, the greatest example of love is, is that Jesus himself would give up his life for us. See, the greatest example of love is, is not that you are in a relationship with someone that meets your needs but you are in a relationship with someone that you are desperately trying to help them succeed and you are meeting their needs. You are serving them. You are figuring out how, how their life could be better, not simply how they can make your life better. See, relationships, they, they reveal your willingness to trust, but, but they also, they force you to, I forgot what it was. <laughs> to rely, you have to rely on your ability to commit. And commit is a word we don't like to talk about around you, especially, what up, L.A.? <laughs> I, got a, I got a text from a friend of mine last night that shall remain nameless. What up, Amy? And she said, <laughs> she said, can you, tomorrow, can you talk about situationships? I said, I said, man, I'm getting old. I don't know what these things are anymore. I can't keep up. Y'all make a new word every day. So I said, what's a situationship? And she sent me the definition. And here's what a situationship is. Check this out. A relationship that has no label on it. Like a friendship, but more than a friendship, but not quite a relationship. Why? <laughs> First of all, does that not sound like L.A.? like nah like we don't want to commit cuz you like nah i mean I, I want to be like connected i want to be yeah like me and you but it's not just me and you cuz you know like but but like we're cool and it's like a thing but you know it's not a thing you know what i'm saying right <laughs> we don't want labels we we don't want commitments right but but here's the thing if there's if there's no label in it there is no god in it because God is always about moving us to the place where we, we commit and we orient our life where it's about others, not about ourselves. And how have we gotten to this place where that's okay? I don't want labels. I'm cool with being friends with benefits, and, but I'm not willing to actually do the hard work to commit to someone. Why? Because we want to protect ourselves. When you commit to someone, then it's like, but what about somebody else? What if someone better comes along? And, and this was me, so I resonate with this. See, I'm so thankful. I have this amazing wife named Rebecca. We've been married eight years. We have three kids. I love this woman. And she is a gift. I cannot believe that God has been so good to me. But there was moments in my life when I was dating, and, and I would always get to that point, right? You know what I'm saying? Like Some of y'all are like me where you get to that point where you're like, it's good, but you're like, but what about if there's somebody better? And I always be like, God, but what if there's somebody better? What if there's somebody better? And I felt like God one time smacked me in my face. is like, you think you're really good, don't you? <laughs> I was like, damn, you're right, God, my bad. <laughs> because it's crazy how when we talk to God, we always think we're the most elevated person. We always think that we're like the best thing since sliced bread. And, and God's like, why are you always looking for something better and not actually appreciating what you already have? And and I knew that God had to do a work in me, that I had to let him work in me, that if I was ever going to be in a position to receive the gift that is Rebecca, I had to make sure that I became the person that would appreciate the beauty and wonder of when God ushers something into our life and we don't miss it because we're looking for something else. Right? The grass is greener on the other side. And the grass will always be greener on the other side if you do not do the hard work to make sure that you water your own lawn. (laughs) So stop looking out there and start looking in here. Man, no labels, no commitments, no sacrifice. Man, I think... So many of us, we would rather have, like, the thrill of the chase than the power of the choice. And, and it's the, cha- the chase seems so appealing, and, and, and it seems so attractive, and I just, oh, I want to go have that, and it's for me, and, and you pursue it. And don't get me wrong, you, you should pursue, even in marriage and in dating and relationships. we should always be pursuing and letting that person know they are worth our love. But if you care more about the choice than you—sorry—if you care more about the chase than you do about the choice, then you're missing out on all that God has for you. Because there's something powerful about commitments, about planting your flag and saying, "I'm not going anywhere." Yeah. See, I love weddings. I love the moment when when vows are exchanged, and and, and husband and wife look at each other and they declare these things. I remember being at Jamar and Kenzie's wedding a few months ago. It was so beautiful what they wrote, and, and they're declaring these vows of love. And I'm like, you don't even know each other. <laughs> just keeping a real. And not just about them, about every wedding. When you go to a wedding, you look at the bright, 90% of weddings, you know one of two parties. And you're like, oh, it's beautiful. You're like, what's his name? I don't even know that groom. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't even know each other. When, when I was, me and Peck's wedding, I was I was so thankful I My mean, guess she was such a gift and and it was so bizarre right because before we got married we didn't we didn't live together we didn't have sex together together <laughs> sex I don't yeah <laughs> together <laughs> I didn't know anything It's like there's not how it works <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it was like it was like separate and we honored each other respect and then all of a sudden we're like now we got married and like we're sleeping in the same bed and a part of apartment should be you know I'm laying there and i would be like I hope you don't kill me tonight. Because oh. I think you're cool, but I don't really know you that well. And like, I like, would be sleeping because it's so weird. We're in the bed, and I would kind of wait for her to go to sleep, just make sure, you know. And then, all right, we're good. We're good. See, we, when, when they're at that altar, when a husband and a wife at the altar, and they're declaring vows to each other, They're not declaring vows for when it's easy. They're declaring vows when their commitment is going to be tested. It's so easy to say, I love you on a wedding day. It's really difficult to say, I love you when you have driven me crazy. But we have to be willing to plant our flag to, to see the power of a choice. See, some of you in this room, you're single and you desperately want to be married. I know you do. And, 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 You're praying and you're asking God to bring the person, and but you have to, in your spirit inside, decide that that you're gonna be a person of commitment, not simply a person of chase. Because I think it's really easy to like woo somebody, it's really difficult to keep somebody. And I think God is looking for women and men. I think we should reclaim love that it's not simply in your ability to bring others to yourself, it's actually in your ability to serve everyone that God has allowed you to come in contact with. And, and then I love this passage in Matthew because we're talking about with relationships and, and they're so difficult because, because they, they, they reveal so much about who we are. Like it, it reveals our, our willingness to trust, forces us to rely on our ability to commit. But then there's this last piece that's essential When it comes to relationship, in Matthew 6, chapter, verse 15, it says, you can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off. Oops. You cut yourself off from God's part. Let me say that one more time. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. I don't know about you, but I do not want to be cut off from God's part. So whatever God's part is, whatever, whatever the thing he wants to usher into my life, I want that. How about you? And it's this moment where he's saying, if you don't want God to cut off his part, then you need to do your part and you need to discover the power of forgiveness. Because he's saying, here's how we so often relate to God. We're like, God, I'm a mess. God, I'm broken. God, forgive me. And God's like, what about that person? And we're like, don't worry about God, it's just me and you. And he's like, we do not work that way. There is no me and you without you and each other. We have to get to that place where we we understand the power of forgiveness. And and there's a verse in scripture that says that he who has been forgiven much loves much. That there's a relationship to our ability to understand that God has been so good to us. We do not deserve the love that he has poured into our lives. And when we remember how much he has forgiven us, it actually becomes a catalyst for our ability to forgive others. And I've been married for eight years. I cannot tell you how many times I have had to ask for Rebecca's forgiveness. I cannot tell you how many times I blew it. Any husbands out there, make some noise. How many times you blew it? And he said that Carlos really loud. Woo! Right? It's crazy how often we, we, we miss it. And I wish there was moments where I was like, why are you so dumb? How so have you not figured this out? And, and, and what happens when you're in a relationship is, is you put yourself in a position where you have to trust. You put yourself in positions where, where, where you, you have to be in this, this place where you, where you let God heal you. where You're open and willing for all that he has for you. But it also forces you to do this hard thing called forgive. It requires you to forgive. You're never going to enter into a healthy relationship if you refuse to forgive. I can't tell you how many times I've just blown it. And, and I remember this one time, me and Rebecca went to, we went to Disneyland with some friends. And, and I'm a prankster. Some of y'all know that. It's, it's a sickness. Uh, pray for me. It's just I always love messing with people and pranking. And, and I've, I've done it a few times with my wife, and she had communicated, hey, I know you like to do that, that's not my thing, so like, check yourself, right? <laughs> but again, I'm dumb, and I, and I heard one thing, but I didn't really hear what I needed to hear. And so we're at Disneyland, and, and it's the end of the day, and we're there with our, we had a six-month-old, as I at the time, and so one person used to always have to stay back and be with the baby and everybody else would go on the rides. And so I said, hey, you guys go ahead. Me and a friend, will stick back, and you guys enjoy Space Mountain. They said, awesome, they ran up. Well, in the, like, running before the park closed, my wife left her phone on the table. So I grabbed it, put it in my pocket so she wouldn't forget. I'd give it to her when she got off the ride. I didn't think anything of it. A couple minutes later, the phone rings. And I reach in my pocket, and it's Jordy, You know, one of our friends is part of Mosaic Venice. And, and, and she calls and realizes, oh, they think Beck lost her phone. They're trying to find us. So I answer it and I say, hey, it's, it's me. I have your phone. But they're in the tunnel of Space Mountain, so they can't hear me. And so they're like, hey, you, you have my friend's phone. Can, you, can we meet somewhere? And I'm like, no, no, it's me. It's Joe. I have your phone. And, and then she goes, let me give you to my friend. And she has the phone of my wife. And she goes, you have my phone. Where do you want to meet? Tell me. We'll meet you wherever. And it was in that moment, I felt like it was a gift from God where God said, here, take it. So I changed my voice and, and I said, uh, sure. Yeah. Where do you want to meet? And then I said, let's meet at this spot. And So they got off the ride, and and they're telling me about what happened, and and we're walking. I said, hey, let me go to the bathroom real quick. And so they're texting the number, and I'm in the bathroom texting back. And I just keep changing it from one place to the next. And then I was like, hey, meet me in the parking lot. And they're like, no, just leave the phone with the police officer. I was like, no, I can't. I got to go. I don't trust them. And, And then they're like, okay now like let's we're in the parking lot where are you and I was like sorry my friends wanted to leave so now I'm at a gas station outside and what I, I kept trying to elevate it crazy because so my wife knows I'm a prankster she's like ah it's Joe and I kept elevating I was like I'll be in a white van look for me right it was just bad <laughs> just just bad and she still was so finally they get into this center area and we caught up with them and and and, then, and they said, I, we know you're not there because we have the find my iPhone and it says you're right here. And, and it's funny because my wife is like, she's like, she texts me, she said, mom, you better give me my phone back or my husband's going to get you, right? And I'm like, yeah, yes, right? So we all link up and they're doing the find my iPhone. And I said, hey, do the ding, play the sound so then you'll know like, where it's at. And, and as they do that, the friend that is in on it with me, she has a backpack and I take the phone and I slip it in the little pocket. And then they do the ding, ding, and this girl's like, huh? Circling, and I'm standing over there just like dying, laughing, and then my wife sees her circling, she sees me laughing, she connects the dots. And then that's the last part of the story that you need to hear. You don't need to know what happened next. You don't need to know what was said what words were communicated. I, I, I cannot articulate enough how horrible of a two-hour drive that was home. <laughs> it was just silence. And every time I try to say something, she's just looking at me like, you better shut up. <laughs> she's furious. And, and like, it was like the only thing that she said, it was like one thing that she said is, she goes, I don't even know who you are. I'm like, I don't know either. I'm sorry. Man, I, I was filled with so much angst and so much shame and guilt. I was like, wow. And I just, I desperately wanted her to just forgive. Have you ever blown it so bad you just wanted that person just to forgive you quickly? Like, Please, I just can't handle this anymore. I just desperately wanted her to forgive me. And the car is just Silence. She's not saying anything, and I just kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And finally, we were towards the end of the ride and about to drop her off. And and she just said, hey, I want you to know that I forgive you. I'm just not ready to talk about it, so give me some time. And I was like, I'll take it. (laughs) I can't tell you just how much that weight came off of me the moment that she just said, I forgive you. See, and I'm, I'm so thankful that, that I have married a woman that, that does not hold bitterness inside of her soul. She's actually found the power of being a forgiving person. She's, she's understood that, yes, there's going to be pain. I can't tell you how that, it, that was painful for weeks. Because I think a lot of times we want the escape from the consequences, but sometimes you've got to live in it. But it doesn't mean that you got to live in the shame. It doesn't mean that you got to live in the guilt. And, And for those of you that have been wrong, see, I know some of you, we're here talking about love, relationships, about getting to that place where you let God move in and through you, but you're like, you don't know what has happened to me. You don't know what people who said that they would love me, how they betrayed me. And you're wounded. And you're filled with anger and resentment, and it's justified. And you don't want to forgive. You're clear. You, don't, you do not want that person to be free from what they did to you, but what you need to realize is, is that when you withhold forgiveness, it is not them that's locked in a cage. It's you. See, when, when, you, when you choose to let bitterness rule your life, resentment eat you away from the inside out. See, it is not affecting them. They have moved on. It's only affecting you. That's going to affect every person that you come in contact with from that point forward. And what Jesus is trying to help us understand is that sometimes you just have to just, you got to forgive. You got to let that weight go. You got to let that burden go. It's it's something that you are not supposed to carry on your own. He says, give it to me. And when you give me all of that anger and all of that resentment, what I'm going to do is actually I'm going to set you free. I know there's some of you here tonight that the first conversation that you need to have before you can talk about relationships with others is you've got to choose to forgive those that have wounded you not because they deserve it, but because you need it. And then, when we live a life of forgiveness, it's as if forgiveness is is a key that all of a sudden unlocks our future. It unlocks new possibilities, new wonders, new joy, new optimism. And it's this moment that is so powerful in the life of Jesus that at In one of his last moments on earth, when he is being brutally crucified for loving people, for serving people, for for being the the best that humanity has ever seen. It's in that moment when he could have brought anger and resentment and wrath. It's in that moment he utters these words. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, Jesus understood the power of forgiveness and he understood that it was a conduit for love to exist. And for some of you here tonight, there's a conversation that you have to have first. And this is a conversation where you let the God of the universe take mastery over your soul. You let him take residence in those spaces where you've been resistant to him. And you let all the pain, and the brokenness and the betrayal. You say, God, I can't carry this anymore, so I'm going to put it in your hands because it can be trusted there far more than it can be trusted with me. And to some of you here tonight, the relationship that is most essential right now is not you having a boyfriend or a girlfriend or you being ready for a wife or a husband or see the most important conversation that you need to have right now is that you begin a relationship with the creator of the universe and i know for some of you that's terrifying but i know you also know that it's time and that god is ready to meet you in this moment to begin ushering new moments from this point forward if we could all bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here with us in this room, or if you're watching with us online, wherever you are, and you're ready to trust Jesus with everything, you're, you're ready to commit your life to the God who loves you, you're, you're ready to allow forgiveness to be the story of who you are, then then I want you to just simply tell him right now. Tell him who he is in your life. Tell him what you're going to do as you commit to him. Tell him that from this moment forward, you're his. And if you're ready to cross over the line of faith, to trust Jesus with your life, then then all you got to do is say this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. And it's in that moment when you begin a relationship with the God who loves you, who fought for you, who came for you, who put on flesh and blood and and lived out a perfect, sinless life and then was, was crucified and then buried and then raised from the dead because he wants to be in relationship with you. If that's you here tonight, and you're ready to trust Jesus with everything. And you said, I'm done trying to do this on my own. Jesus, I'm yours. And what I want you to do is, as quickly as you can, is with as much courage as you can, you say, Jesus, give me, I want you to raise your hand right now so we can pray for you. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. Beautiful. Beautiful. I see you. Anyway, keep your hands up. I see you because I want you to know that God sees you right now. He's been waiting for you in this moment. He wants to just wrap you in his love. Beautiful. Anyone else right now? Jesus, I give you my life. I see you. Father, I pray for every hand that's held high right now. Jesus, I thank you so much that you came for this moment. You wanted them to know that that there is no choice that could keep them from your love. And Father, I pray from the top of their heads to the bottom of their feet, God, I pray that they would just be overwhelmed by your presence right now. God, I pray that if there's voices in their soul that are are trying to steal from them this moment, I pray that your voice would swallow them up, God. And I pray you would tell them how much they matter to you right now. I pray you would tell them how valuable they are, God. I pray you would remind them that there is nothing that they could do that could keep them from your love. Father, we thank you so much that every time we seek you, you are right there waiting for us. We celebrate you, Jesus. We worship you. There is no one like you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, right now, Mosaic, can we thank God for everyone who made a decision? Hey, we can do better than that. Come on, Mosaic. Let's thank God. Let's celebrate new life. It's beautiful. Hey, as we said, we are starting a new series all about relationships. I want to encourage you. Bring your friends. Come back next week. Invite somebody new. Maybe invite that person that you've been eyeing at that coffee shop, that you've been like, they haven't seen you yet, but maybe they'll see you in church. Like, let's just fill this room with people on a journey, on a search, with people trying to find community, trying to find hope. And here's my prayer at the end of our time together, the end of this month. My prayer is that there would be marriages that are formed in these four weeks. See, my prayer is that there would be healing that would be found in these four weeks. See, my prayer is that that we would just have such an openness and a willingness to say, God, I'm not simply ready for who's coming my way, but I'm ready to become who I need to be so that it's not about them, but it's about you, God. And what can happen in four weeks if you'll allow yourself to go there, if you'll allow God to speak to you, If you could just be open to what God has for you, then maybe, just maybe, these next four weeks could have an impact in the life of so many people around you where they see there's potential in who we are and who we're becoming. And if you can become who God created you to be, maybe I can as well. This series is gonna be amazing. We're gonna talk about love. We're gonna talk about Courage. We're going to talk about faith, humility, sacrifice. You may not want to hear everything, but if you'll receive it, I think God can actually help you become, get ready to become the person that is desperately in the position for God to bless you. We love you so much. We're going to sing one more song, and let's make this song be our declaration that we don't know where we're going, but God, as long as we got you, we good. All right, love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.